I don't know, have, have many of you had opportunity to um, link to our website, legacycathedral.org? How many of you have just, just sometime in the past hit our website? Um, Dan Bearden is the webmaster, and he has updated that, and we've got that updated. And you, if you haven't been there for a while, you might want to go and check it out, have neat pictures and other things that you might not only be interested in, but those uh, that you come in contact with, the website's fresh. And it also links over to the blog. How many bloggers have I got this morning? Any of you bloggers? Oh, not, not as many. You have to have a certain disposition to blog, I think, a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm getting up to 21st century, you know, uh, technology and communication. And so we created the Legacy blog. It's blog.legacycathedral.org. You can get there that way or you can link off the website. But I mentioned, and some of you have already known that, that uh, I just wanted to share a special word that I felt like the Lord put into my heart for us as a congregation to hear this morning. I'm going to suspend... Uh, it, well, it will at least be two weeks because next week we have our apostolic oversight, two of our overseers with us, so we look forward to that. But we've been connecting the dots, and while that is important, um, we're always subject to the movings of the Spirit, and at least I want to be. Wouldn't you rather hear from God than hear from me? I, <laughs> you say, is there a difference? Yeah, there can be a difference. Yeah, there sure can. I'd like to think I'm speaking for God, but uh, we know how that can work at times. But I want to just share with you what I believe to be uh, an emphatic, uh, important word that happened to me early in the week. We are a church. If you're a guest with us today, I might just say to you, this may be somewhat of an unusual day. If it is, just, just take the ride with us. And uh, come again. You know, I always say you have to go to a church four, five, six times to really figure out what it's all about. And uh, you can't, you can't uh, evaluate anything off a one-shot deal. But, but today's going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are a church that embraces the present moving of God in the earth. We believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in the earth today. Uh, I believe that it is not only possible, but it is God's intent to do miraculous things in the earth, we embrace scriptural, true signs and wonders, and I believe God can speak to us. I believe he has a lot to say if we had ears to hear, and uh, I can count the number of times, maybe on one hand, it might bleed over to the second hand, but I can count the few times that I have ever suspended just a teaching series, because I believe a teaching series can be birthed of the Lord as much as a spontaneous moment. But there are those moments that God will just direct me, and this is one of those moments that I feel like uh, he's just saying, you need to pause and you need to talk to the people about some things that are on my heart. I have, if you haven't noticed, and most of you, if you've been around me uh, all the years, you know that there's sort of this little prophetic thing that exists in me. And, uh, uh, and I believe that. I embrace that. I believe I have a, a prophetic calling. I always... I always say it's in the mold of an Ezekiel. Ezekiel, it was said, was a prophet-priest. A prophet-priest. Um, that calling has not been without its challenges. Uh, that calling isn't easy in our current culture. Because most people want tickled. And a prophet comes along and they feel pickled. American Christianity wants to be enabled. 
And sometimes God wants to challenge us. Rarely, rarely do we like the challenge or the confrontation. And if there were ever a time that the church and the world needed, now we're talking a true spirit and and a true prophetic word, I believe the time is now. We need a sound that cuts through the fog, that people can begin to hear what really is on the heart of God. Early last week, I think I may have put on the blog it was Wednesday, and I thought about that. I'm not sure it was even a Wednesday. It, I, it was early in the week. I was driving Kaylin to school up the road. She goes up in the north area to school. And as is often the case that early in the morning as I'm driving Kaylin to school, now sometimes she will sleep. You know, she'll kick the seat back, and she'll get about a 30-minute snooze in before school. Sometimes she doesn't. Sometimes she'll sit there and listen to the radio. But she will tell you, if you could corner her today, she would tell you that many are the times as we're riding up the the road that daddy's mind is somewhere in a foreign land as I'm going down the road. And, uh, you know, she'll say, you know, dad, you're talking to yourself. I say, well, I guess I am. I don't even realize I'm talking to myself. Has anyone else experienced that? I'm just wanting to know it's not just my age or the... Sweet and low I've been using so much or anything like that. But I'll just begin talking to myself. And sometimes I'm talking to myself just running over events and things in my mind. Sometimes I'm preaching Sunday's message, you know, going up the road just kind of talking to myself. But my mind wanders. And oftentimes it's at that moment that God can speak to me going up and down the road. And so I don't know if, if it was an abnormal day in that regard, but I'd gone up to the north. I dropped her off at school. I was coming back around, coming back home. I popped in uh, the praise and worship uh, CD, which I do on more occasions than I can count. And it wasn't new music. It wasn't a new word. It wasn't anything. It was the same as I've done a hundred plus times, more than that probably, going up and down the road. And all of a sudden, as I'm driving down Rivers Avenue, getting off on that connector, 52, that takes you back onto the interstate, all of a sudden, God's presence came into my trailblazer. I know when God shows up. I may not be the brightest guy on the earth, and I may not be the sharpest blade in the drawer, but I know when God shows up. And, and, and for me, I've not had so many experiences. I'm not the kind of guy, those of you that have been with me many, many years, I don't stand up and tell you every day I have a third heaven experience. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not the kind of guy that says week after week after week, you know, me and God, we're walking here, and you know, it's not like that. In fact, most of my life is just walking by faith. I'm not feeling all that much. I'm not sensing all that much. It's not as if I'm getting this buzz or this tingle or that God somehow does this really weird thing in me and then I come and tell you. Those of you that are around me know very, very clearly that's just not who I am as a whole. But there have been those moments when I know the presence of God comes in a special way. And God's presence came and filled my trailblazer up. And it surprised me. Tears began to stream down my face and I didn't even know why. I mean, I was just, I was, I was crying. I had to take my glasses off because they were coming out of my eyes in such a way that it was catching on my glasses. I don't know if that's happened to you, but I don't know how that works, but it was on my glasses even. And I thought to myself, what's going on with me? Is this my, is this my midlife crisis moment? Am I having my mental breakdown But it was just as quick that the word of the Lord came. And inside it began to bubble up and it began to flow. And and I'm telling you the story because you need some context to it. Because if I just gave you what I felt like the Lord put into my spirit, 
you would take it and you would download it just as information. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but there are moments you get information in a sermon. You get information from a message. You get information maybe in your prayer time when you feel like the Lord's talking to you. You get information from the Bible or from Scripture. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's true. But there are moments you encounter God's Word. You encounter His voice. And, and, and I have to tell you, I encountered His voice. I experienced and, 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 I, and again, I, you know, I don't want you, you know, we can't live by experience. I know that. I only, I, I cherish the few I get. But I experienced the word and it was affecting my body. You know, it, that's scriptural. Ezekiel said that when he, when he received the word, he said he swallowed it and it tasted was the word. It tasted like honey in my mouth. There was another point where the word was released to him and he said it was his fire in my bones there was an experience attached to the receiving of that word many of you can identify in some measure that you come and maybe i'll be the teacher or someone else is teaching or preaching and there'll be those moments you receive great information you get your precept you say that's good and you walk out the door and you go home and it's just a, a moment like any one of a hundred moments you may experience in a day. But there are those special moments that some of you can identify with when all of a sudden it wasn't just a, a message, it wasn't just a word, it wasn't just information, but you experienced something at that moment. You encountered the word I'm not saying what I want to share with you today is even remotely close to being Scripture. It's not even remotely close. I understand everything's judged by Scripture. This is a unique book that stands alone. But can I just tell you, I, I think in that moment, I, I tasted, just barely, but I tasted of what the Scripture writers must have felt like when they began to pen those words for the very first time. And the word that I received, and I'm going to share it in a moment, when I wrote it down, it sounded a lot like many passages of Scripture. In fact, what I began to do after I wrote it down, I began to notate the Scriptures. Some of them I were aware of. Some of them I had to track down. Because how many of you realize that whenever you receive a prophetic utterance, that you have to make sure it's confirmed by the established rule? And so I began to write what I felt like God was saying inside of me. And, and when I was done, to the natural mind, and, and can I just say this this morning? If, if you receive from me in your natural mind, you'll go, oh, that's good. I can see that. But you need to ask God right now that you experience. I'm praying, and I prayed this morning, that you as, as the people of God and, and you folks that I'm entrusted with the shepherd, I, I prayed that you would not just hear what I had to say, but that you would be encountered by what I say. There's a difference. My greatest delight on a week-to-week, -week, really daily basis, I could say, is to be in the house of God. I really do like being around you. Now, there's some people I don't like being around. I do try to avoid that at all costs. But by and large, I enjoy being around God's people. Nothing delights me more outside of probably my, my own wife and my own personal family. There's nothing that delights me more than to come here on Sunday or in the middle of the week and to see you all. It really delights me. I love to see smiles on people's faces. 
I love it when people come and they hug me. Whenever, uh, I'll just pull out of him. Whenever John Bird comes, I can't get away from him without a hug. I mean, he's just going to grab me and hug me. There are others that are going to come and they'll shake my hand and I'll say, how you doing? And they'll say, no less than blessed. And I'll meet all sorts of people and they'll smile and sometimes I'll get up next to the ladies and I'll hug them and, and they'll just kind of, like I was their dad, they'll just kind of get right there underneath and they'll go, how you doing, pastor? And there's nothing that delights me more than to interact and be around you all. You know what really delights me is when I tell a really silly joke and you laugh. You don't know how that delights me to get just a few laughs. To enjoy your fellowship. You know, I have, I started thinking about it. I really do have kind of a neat job. Sometimes I, 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 there are things I don't like about it. But by and large, I get to hang around people and I get to share with them all of their ups. Their most joyous occasions, I get to share that with most folks. Or sometimes in their most critical down moments, I'm the one that they want to be involved in that. To, to have access to people on the mountaintops or in the valleys is just an amazing thing. To be able to rejoice in people's victories. To be able to say with somebody on a phone that tells me they got a promotion or they got a raise or God opened a door. And to be able to say, that's cool, isn't God good? Or to stand with them when they call me and say, I'm going through a challenge. I have a problem here, Pastor, and I need someone to pray for me and I need someone to stand with me. And to be able to take those concerns and to intercede for them. I mean, there are a lot of pluses to my job. And I, and I enjoy it, and I'm grateful that God would call me to do that. But I would be unfaithful to you if I was not absolutely true to the Lord and His calling. Because Ezekiel, who oftentimes I've used as a model, this prophet-priest, I don't know if you know what a prophet-priest is. I have described a prophet-priest like this. You have to live with what you say. You don't get to come into the church and shoot your mouth off, take up an offering and say, see you next year. If you're a prophet priest, you've got to stand up before people. You've got to share the word of the Lord and then you've got to live with it on Monday morning. You've got to walk with them. You, you've got to interact with them. And let me tell you, if you didn't hear from God and you said you heard from God, you don't get to leave and just decide never to go to that church again. You're going you're gonna to live with that in the midst of those people. And so I understand that, that, that the calling is just, I didn't ask for it. I, you, if you ever know that you're called to something, you're going to find out after a while. The reason God calls you to it is because there's going to be something about it you don't like. And you're going, I really, if I had my druthers, I just really wouldn't want to do this. But when you're called to do something, you, you, you can't get out of it. If you get out of if you try to get out, it's sin. James 4.17 says, to him who knows what is right and does not do it, to him it is sin. So you know what, that, that opens up a, a can that says just about anything that God looks at you and says you don't do it, it becomes your issue. And so for me not to be obedient to many of the things that God puts in my heart, I, I mean it would just be, be sin. It would be sin. And oftentimes when we come to these particular moments, the responsibility I feel is just... Well, it's just overwhelming. Can I read you something? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 3 real quick. I want to read just a, a couple passages. And again, this is a different day. Y'all just kind of flow with me, won't you? You'll just kind of, kind of take the journey. 
Again, if you, if you meet a guest today, just tell them, you know, pastor's usually a teacher, you know, and he'll do this, but this was kind of a different day. Ezekiel 3, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this. It says, Now it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, meaning Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, I made you a watchman. Everyone say watchman. I made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning. Everyone say warning. From me. Now, he didn't say warn them from you. It's just that he, the Lord said warn them from me. From me. Leap over to the 33rd chapter of Ezekiel. And he's going to talk again. Ezekiel 33, verse 1. It says, again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself, but he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. If you feel like you're called to ministry, then you read those passages about a hundred times. And you'll begin to understand that, that there are certain things that if they're not proclaimed, and, and people are snagged, or people are caught unaware, or people are somehow, somehow uh, uh, taken aback, and they were never told, the Bible says that upon the watchman, I will place their blood on your hands. That's heavy, isn't it? Is that heavy over here? Do you think that's heavy? I think that's heavy. I have oftentimes wrestled with that. I don't want anybody looking at me on judgment day as we're all standing in line. And God says to them, whatever for whatever reason, they didn't cut the muster. And their eyes look at me and they say, you were my pastor. Why didn't you tell me? It's never going to be said of me. I've just decided I'm going to live through a lot of criticism on earth. I'm going to live through a lot of misunderstanding on earth. But I'm not going to have people pointing at me saying, why did you not tell me? I want you to know that it has become such a burden at times that my wife will tell you I will flip-flop on my bed at night like a pancake on a griddle. Last night, I flip-flopped all night long. Just, uh, just, just weightiness, just, just knowing that God has something he wants to say and you just wish he'd open up the heavens and he'd say it himself. But I'm going to share with you today what I feel like he wants to say. And it's a word, let me tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a word of warning, but it's a word of hope. Can you say amen to that? How many know God may spank you, but he always gives you hope. He'll always restore you. He always provides a solution. He always gives you an answer. He's just not nailing you and leaving you out to dry. He's bringing people back. 
That's ultimately what he wants. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, I know, I, you know, I was told in homiletics class years ago, never read more than two passages or the people will get lost. I'm sorry, I'm going to violate that particular precept from my homiletics professor and read to you several passages. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Isaiah 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, there are two concepts that I just want to underscore before I share with you what I felt like the Lord put on my heart. And they're easy concepts. They're the concepts of light and darkness. Light and darkness. Number one, light. Light, the scripture tells us, is emanates from God. In fact, 1 John 1.5 says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And so whenever God shows up, whenever his presence comes, it's, it's like this gigantic spotlight. He, he begins to shine on our lives, and he shines on the world. And, and, and as we will hear in just a few minutes, some people like the light and some people don't like the light. But God is light. He can come in no other way. And the Bible tells us here, in fact, these are actually revival-type verses that I have used and others have used in order to proclaim the last day's renewal, the last day restoration that God will do in the earth as He begins to bring in His final harvest and He begins to one more time reach out to the the, the the throngs of hurting, uh, uh, broken, dysfunctional humanity. And, and the Bible says that this light as it comes will be of such a magnitude that when God shows up, that he says that the Gentiles, he says those that don't know me, that kings and princes and rulers and government officials and nations, he says, it will be of such a magnitude that everyone, everyone will see it. Isn't that amazing? It could not have been except in the era you and I live in because we have 24-hour, seven-day-a-week cable news networks. We have internet. News comes this quickly. And we'll see what God does globally when this light shines. But he says there's something you need to remember. There'll also be darkness. Darkness. Not just any darkness, he says. But he says deep darkness. Some versions will even say gross darkness. You wouldn't think I'd need to define darkness, but, but you know, darkness is of, of spiritual importance because darkness means by its very nature you can't see it. If you're in darkness, it means you just can't see. Maybe not even the hand in front of you. I, I've been in, in certain situations and theme parks and, and, and closed up rooms. If, if we were to uh, block the windows here and, and just shut the lights down in this room, it's a, it's a sealed room and it would be so dark you would have a difficult time even seeing the hand in front of your face. So darkness by its very nature means hidden. It means veiled. It means behind closed doors. It's, it's more than just being, being dark or, or lacking light, it, it, it means that it's something that is very hidden. Deep, deep darkness. I'll, I'll never forget years ago when we were living in the San Francisco Bay Area and we pastored a church up in the hills of Oakland. And there was a night that I was standing in the parking lot of the church for it was in the hills. And 
Uh, from the property, you could look out upon the Valley of Oakland and then across the San Francisco Bay, and then you could begin to see the skyline of the city of San Francisco, and you could even see the Golden Gate Bridge from the church parking lot. And I'll never forget that one night. It was a clear night, and it was beautiful. And you can imagine it sparkling and, and, and how beautiful the skyline would have looked there in San Francisco. But suddenly it just dawned on me that despite the beauty that you can see all around you, there was darkness. Deep, deep darkness. It's that way in every city. Whether it be San Francisco or Chicago or Dallas or Seattle or Atlanta or New York City or even Charleston, South Carolina. Every city, as you go across its bridges and as you stand in particular points of reference and you look out upon it, there's that initial superficial beauty that comes by looking at a skyline. But all of a sudden, if you begin to let God talk to you behind that beauty, there is darkness. Darkness. I thought of Jesus as he was coming into his city, Jerusalem. In Luke's gospel, we don't have to turn there. It's in the 19th chapter, the 41st verse. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he's coming down to the last days of his earthly life. And he pauses and he looks at that city that's tucked in between Mount Moriah and Mount Zion. And he looks at the city, Jerusalem. God's heart beat in Jerusalem. And Jesus looked at it, and the scripture says that Jesus began to weep. He didn't cry much. We read in the scriptures, he cried over Lazarus. And then so far as I know, this is the only time. If I'm wrong, I'll stand corrected. But, but he wept over the city, and, and Jesus wept not because he was mad at him. Are you hearing me? He wept not because he was irritated or, or frustrated. But the Bible says that he wept because he, see, he saw people that he loved. Do, do you know what it must have felt like to the Lord to see a city that you love? To know that a part of your call was to somehow reach into that city. You knew already that you were going to lay your life down for that city. And he looks at it and he pauses and sees the beauty of it. But yet tears begin to fill up in his eyes and he begins to weep and he cries out and he says if you had only known Jerusalem if you had only if you had only known especially in this your day the things that make for peace but now he says they are hidden isn't that an interesting word but now he says they are hidden from your eyes what he was saying was you're in darkness you're in darkness. Deep darkness. We live in a day of that kind of darkness. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, he said that it would be a day of such proportion that all, the only word he could use in the Greek was shameful. Shameful. Things, he says, unmentionable. As I was driving down the road after I had dropped Kalen off and the tears are coming out of my eyes, I had, I had been listening to the reports going up the road. I always listen to the traffic reports and the radio, and if I can miss an accident, I, I try to avoid it at all costs so I get the traffic reports. But I was hearing the initial reports of the Pope, who at that time was preparing to come here to America to visit. And so there were all the reports concerning the Pope's visit here. 
And, and naturally, talking about the Pope's visit, it brought up all of the scandals that had plagued the Catholic Church as of late. And one more time, they began to rerun all the unseemly, shameful scandals that took place between priests and children. And as I was listening to that, I'm quite sure that was having some level of impact in my spirit. But I do realize that as the word of the Lord was coming, I was reminded that we can't point our finger too long at the Catholics. There have been some pretty shameful, unseemly things that have happened in Protestant circles too. I mean, we don't have to go rewind all of the scandals of the ministry that took place by just mentioning the name of Swaggart, Baker, Haggard, Polk, White. Shameful, just unseemingly. We have, even in our government, we have senators playing footsie in bathrooms. We had a New Jersey governor who came out and, as we are told, had his precious wife with him. And the first time she ever heard of his homosexual tryst was when he stood up and he announced it to the world. How, how caring is that? What about the governor of New York who prosecuted the laws of the land for prostitutes and then he's found to be in a prostitution sting? We have scandals with pages and interns and personal aides and secretaries and lobbyists. And all of a sudden this began to twirl in my spirit. And I know it's going to sound funny and I guess we can laugh just to relieve the pressure. But I started to think, are we in a society that just can't keep their pants up anymore? Do we just need to get better belts? We have presidential candidates that, that go and they dress and drag. And it's all tee-hee-hee-hee. We've got kids that are groped and abused at their daycare and at their schools. We have officials in our own state, I'm sorry, we'll just declare it, who do drugs, hand them off to their friends. We've got gambling raids, and I don't give a rip if you think gambling's good or not or it's a stupid law, but if you know the law and you break it, it's called lawlessness. Lawlessness. Just because you don't like, you know, 60 miles an hour on the interstate doesn't mean you get to drive 90. We live in a lawless day. And you know what? We all know, if I say this, you'll know I'm right. It is but the tip of the iceberg. You know, I'm a pretty naive guy. You ask my wife and she'll tell you, Pastor's pretty naive. I mean, I really am. I was saved when I was 18 years old and I'm glad I was spared from a lot of scars. I mean, I, I had enough scars from about 16 to 18 years old to last me a lifetime. I'm grateful that I got a clue at about 18. And so gratefully for about the last 30 years, I've been pretty much on track. And I don't have a lot of wounds and scars, and I am kind of naive, especially after three decades of a world that's going deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness, and I'm not going with it, but I'm smart enough to know this. It is the tip of the iceberg. I started thinking in that moment, and I'll share with you what the Lord said, but I'm just, I'm just giving you context. I started thinking about my own life as, as naive and as as sheltered as at times it has been. 
I started, I started thinking about how in my own life, in my own interactions with friends and people that I've been acquainted with, what's taken place in their life. Of the six men that were in my wedding, they were all studying, preparing for the ministry. All of us were. And of the six men that were in my wedding as attendants, four of them have already crashed and burned. Two of them are, are still serving the Lord. I remember one of the men who was gifted, I mean just a gifted preacher, a gifted minister, and, and, and he didn't go on to seminary. His gifts were so incredible that they just plucked him right out of college and they, they put him in a church in the Dakota district and then they finally got him to another church and at the age of about 25, he was pastoring six, 700 people at 25 years old because his gifts were so incredible. He could, he could, I mean, the boy could preach. The problem is he couldn't keep his pants up. And now he's off somewhere crashed. Think of the... The friend I had up just across the border in North Carolina had served God, loved God, pastored a church, a thriving church. And never forget the day I got the phone call that he was going to leave his wife. But he was leaving his wife not for another woman. He was leaving his wife for another man. I can't even imagine, can't even imagine what a woman would feel or think in that particular situation. I, I mean, this is just little old Kevin. I, I, I'm not some nationally known figure. I mean, I could go down the list. What about the guy that I knew that uh, one day decided he was just going to take the building fund and grab up his secretary, and, and, and he jumped into the church van, and he drove it down to Miami to catch a cruise, and he thought he was leaving the country. I thought, why would you jump in the church van with the name on the side if you didn't want to be seen? That didn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Of course, he had several years in prison to think about that. Or the guy that was creating as he pastored the Ponzi scheme, ripping off other pastors and their building funds. Or the guy that walked in that I know just in the upstate, looked at his wife one day and he said, I don't want to do this anymore. And he just said, I'm out. I'm checking out. And he moved. I mean, I could go on and on and on and on. And it would, it would just depress you. And as I was driving down, I'm still driving down the interstate. All these thoughts are stirring. Tears. Tears are just... I mean, I've known some of these things for years. And why is it all of a sudden all of this is welling up in my eyes and tears are coming out of my eyes and they're staining my glasses and I, and I can't see and I have my, my Kansas sweatshirt on and I'm, I'm, I'm wiping my eyes and I suddenly said out loud, I said, Lord, if all of this is prevalent... In those who have been placed in leadership in churches, or if this is prevalent in leadership in our government or your church, I cannot imagine what must be hidden in the earth. If this is how your shepherds and if this is how your kings and this is how your priests are acting, what must it be like in the nation? And at that moment, the word of the Lord, it came to me. Now I want you to know, I'm, I, it came and God's not mad. Hear me, God's not mad. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Do you understand right now? Just I want you, everybody in the house to close your eyes right now and understand God's not mad at you. He loves you. 
His word says that he is not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. He so loved the world, it says, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever, that means you and me, whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God's not mad at you. He's not mad, but he's brokenhearted. Holy Spirit, I ask you this day, would you come into this place and may we sense not wrath, not anger, not that somehow you're mad, but Lord, your heart is broken. It's broken. So broken. May we lay hold of that. May we encounter that. And at that moment, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm going to, I didn't put it on the screen overhead, and the reason I didn't put it on the screen overhead is because I'll, I'll put it on the blog later. I'll, I'll try to post it later today or tomorrow if you're interested. But I did put on the screen, I put the references as I was later on, I just referenced things in a hurry. But this is what the Lord said to me. Listen, listen very, very carefully. Listen as if your life depended on it. He said, light is coming to this nation. Light is coming to this nation, and none shall escape it. Some will run from the light, others will embrace it. But my light and my glory are coming, and you must prepare yourself. What you have already seen revealed before your eyes has been to prepare you and call you back to myself. This is not my judgment, says the Lord, but my love to bring you and this nation to my cleansing. But know this, I will shine on my people and on my church first. If you will bring your darkness, if you will bring your sin, if you will bring your hiddenness to me, I will cleanse you and I will deliver you. And I will give you a new heart. However, if you do not bring your darkness to my light, it will come and expose you. And yes, even bring you shame. Do not think I do not love you, for I love my bride. I love my church. And the hour has come to ready her for the bridegroom. I will yet give you another moment to call out to me, for I am unwilling that any should perish. Hurry, my church, ready yourselves, watch, listen, as you will from this moment begin to see the manifestation of my light and of my glory. That was the word of the Lord. Now I'm going to, t I'm going to tell you something that happened. I mean, that in and of itself was enough to just say, sweet Jesus, Lord, my life's an open book, please. But all of a sudden, within 24 hours of receiving that word, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking just one or two or three. I received a flurry, a flurry of confirmation of what God had just spoke to my spirit. This is only the beginning 
If we don't heed what he's saying, what, what, what I began to sense what God is saying is this. He's saying now is the time. This is the opportunity for you to, to get it all at the cross. Get it all under the blood. Open yourself totally up to his dealing. Because when God's light comes, the nations will see it. Don't you think for a moment, listen to me now, because I know this for a fact. Don't you think for a moment that guys like Jimmy Swaggart or Jim Baker or Ted Haggard didn't receive a gracious, generous, kind word from the Lord who, who beckoned them to come before anyone else had to know. But I'm here to tell you, when God begins to move and light begins to shine, if we don't want to go to Him on our own, He will shine on everyone. He isn't stopping the light. I received a, a phone call from Pastor Frank. Many of you know Frank Harvey. He, as well as the Aguilards and the Dakotis and Pastor Morris, are all on our oversight team. And Pastor Frank called me several, several months ago. Trace and I went up the road to, and I'll just say it, it just, some of this stuff needs to just start getting said. We went up the road to Clinton, South Carolina, and we took a couple with us here. In fact, it was the Harns. They went up the road with us, and we held an encounter for a church up the road. They were having a real tough time. Been having it for years. And we went up the road, and we were going to do an encounter for this particular church, and we'd anticipated everyone was going to be there and ready. And when we got there, now we kind of knew there was some, something in the closet. You know, you just know, your discerner knows. I, the thing I kick myself over all the time is how many times I ignore it because I always want to think the best. And so I ignore my discerner lots of times. But we had gone up prepared to teach and do an encounter. And we were having, we were having a, a meal with the pastor and his wife. And uh, at the end of the meal, we stood up. We were ready to go to hold the meetings that night. And they looked at us and said, have a great meeting. We won't be there. I said, really? No, 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 no. You need, you need to take care of the people and, and, and we're going to get, you know, this taken care of on down the road on a different day, whatever. And it kind of surprised us. It kind of shocked us. But we went up and we did what we were scheduled to do. Not really knowing, not really understanding until now about six months later. I got the phone call from Pastor Frank and said, you know, I'm just going to share with you right now. That for the last 15 years, that gentleman has had two long-term affairs going on in that church I said you got to be kidding me he said no no I'm not kidding you it was all in darkness but now it's come to the light you see for years we've heard haven't we as a people we've heard revival is coming we've heard get ready God's going to restore his church in the earth do we even get what that means do we understand what revival really means? Revival means something that once had life is now dead that he's bringing back to life. Now, I, I want to tell you that revival is not just we're going to have meeting and there's going to be miracles and signs and wonders and healing and God will bless and the church will be filled up. And, 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 and that's, that's a part of revival, but that's not the irreducible residue of revival. Revival at its very core is God's light dispelling the darkness. Are you with me? I don't think we understand what we're crying out for. When we cry out, oh God, send revival. We are asking God to split our darkness. 
And realizing that when His light comes, when His word comes, when His truth comes, it will set you free. Free. God's not about hiding it, so we just sort of kind of maybe look free. You're free indeed. Free. Everyone say free. I want to be free. Long before the harvest comes. Long before the hurting masses of Charleston, South Carolina come through our doors and and come and say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be whole? What must I do to be free? Long before that happens, God reaches out to His people first. God sees the bones scattered and people in their graves and darkness covering the earth. And He sends His Spirit into His church and He says, first, First, I will split the darkness in my church and I will raise it up to be the light. God's not mad. He's not mad. He's not mad at you any more than he would be mad at me. I didn't sense that day in the car, his anger. He wasn't angry with me. He's brokenhearted with me and you and us and his bride. And he let me feel it for just a moment. There have been people in the scriptures that had their moments of greatness. I just, I just scribbled real quickly out here. If I were to put out the name of Samson to you. Samson, don't, don't think for a moment he wasn't serious about serving God. He embraced a Nazarite vow. It didn't get much tougher than a Nazarite vow to serve God. Don't touch dead people. You don't drink uh, anything off the vine. And you don't cut your hair. So he was one of them long-haired dudes. Samson. Samson, you know, the story had incredible strength. God used him as a judge in the land. He was a protector. He was a keeper. And God used him phenomenally in the land. But, but Samson had an issue. And his issue... And let me just tell you, just because we now see it in Scripture... And it's evident because we get to read the story. Understand that at the time, nobody, I don't think a lot of people knew what was happening in darkness. Until the day came when Samson thought he could handle the darkness and the darkness overtook him. And suddenly, after all the kind, generous moments that God gave him, He fell. How many of you know David had a heart after God, the Bible says? I believe he did. I believe he loved God. There's no doubt about it. You read the story of David, incredible man of God. But something happened. The scripture said in a season the kings were to go to battle. He didn't go to battle. And he was hanging around the house. And one day he got up to the roof and he kind of peeked over the roof. And there Bathsheba was next door taking a bath. You know, I've kind of dwelt on that a little bit, and I thought to myself, number one is David. David had to be knowing that was going on, or how else would he have known to be up there at just the right time? And at the same time, I don't want to give Bathsheba a break on this one, because how could you not live next to the king knowing he's got a patio up there, and you just decide you're going to take a skinny dip? There's a lot of fingers that can get pointed around on that one. And what happens is, is that David sins with Bathsheba. A child out of wedlock is... Born, he does his best to to mask the whole thing. He ends up murdering Uriah. 
And he's trying to keep the whole thing under wraps until finally Nathan shows up one day. And let me just assure you that there were all kinds of moments David could have just said, I've sinned. I have sinned before God. I've sinned before man. But for whatever reason, David decided he wasn't going to do that. And so Nathan had to come in and tell a little parable and lead David into a revelation. He literally had to preach a little bit to lead him into a revelation. And Nathan led him to the place where he was ensnared by the words of his own mouth when Nathan said, if a man came and stole a ewe from another man's sheep herd, what would you do? And David said, I'd have the man killed. And Nathan said, you're the man. And at that moment, the whole nation knew of the sins of David. How would you like to be a Demas having forsaken Paul? How would you have liked to have been an Alexander or a Hymenaeus? who forever in the scripture will always be recorded as those as those whose darkness came to light. What about Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, who when he was given a little money couldn't handle the money right, and now all of a sudden his name is forever referenced to us for all to see. They all had their moments of greatness. They all had their moments of God using them in incredible ways. They all had those moments, and yet darkness, darkness lurked in their hearts, and suddenly God shined the light. They had a moment. They had a moment of mercy. They had a moment of wooing. They had a moment, a moment that God said with a broken heart, will you not bring yourself to the light? Because if you don't bring yourself to the light, I'll shine the light anyway. And Jesus said, don't you be surprised that those things which were hidden shall be revealed. And those things which were in the background will be shouted from the housetops. We have to understand, if you think revival's coming, it's coming. And we must prepare ourselves. He loves mercy. God loves mercy. He loves his kindness and his gentleness. He loves, he loves his people like a father would love his children and take pity on his children. I want you to hear the heartbeat of God. He isn't mad at you. He isn't angry with you. He's just saying, I'm not, I'm not suspending my word for you. Personally, for me, I told Trace, man, I'm, 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 I'm getting under the light. I'm inventorying everything up and down and all around in my life. Nothing, nothing is untouchable anymore to the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Nothing. I, I, I can't, I'm not, I'm not going to say, well, this one little area is no longer, is no longer touchable. Lord, you can touch a hundred things, but you know what? We're just not going to touch this one. You know what? I don't, I don't want everybody to be in my business. Therefore, I'd just soon have God in my business. Get it under the light. How about you? Any darkness? Any darkness? Ah, you might not be sleeping around, but how about, a, how, about, how, about, how about you going home? And you just aren't the same person you are here at church. The little attitude, the words, the way your disposition is. I mean, do you not think that's darkness? If it's left undealt with, one of these days you're going to get angry in a place where everybody will see it. I've seen it. I've seen people. You'd never know they were angry until finally one day in the middle of an intersection, they blow their top and they're carted off to jail. God's talked to you. I'm, I'm not standing here preaching to you legalisms or anything else. So understand, I, I, you know, darkness, darkness is applied in a hundred different ways. 
But I'm telling you, in the church, the church finds more reasons to go out drinking by quoting the two passages in the Bible that seem to allow it. Except they ignore about 30 passages that rebuke us for doing it. But you just keep doing it and say you can handle it. And one of these days, there'll be a light that will shine. And all of a sudden, it won't seem like it would have been that big a thing if you would have just let the light shine. I'm, just, I'm not picking on you. You do what you... I can't change you. Do you understand? I can't change you. That's the, that's the glorious thing I've, I've suddenly realized about the call. An Ezekiel call is that all God says is, tell them. He doesn't say, change them. I'm grateful for that. He just says, tell them. How about finances and what you're doing financially? And I'm just not talking about before the Lord, but I mean just the financial things that I know that go on behind closed doors. Not to mention the unseemly sexual charged society we live in. I, 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 I shudder to think. 2 Peter 1.19 says this. It says, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Man, you ought to underline this. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Isn't that an amazing verse? The prophetic word you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place. You say, well, pastor, what do we do? What's our response? Let me give you just three quick things. One, two, three. Number one is I, I, God is calling me. He is calling me. I was telling the guys the other day. I was meeting with some of the guys in my office, and I was telling them that we have got to become watchmen. I'm talking to the guys right now. Guys, we've got to become watchmen. The men, I'm talking to men, watchmen, watchmen. Who will cry out? Who will stand in the gap? I, I appreciate the women who have interceded. I, I bless them. Many a woman has kept the doors of many a church open because of their faithfulness. But men, it is time for us to be watchmen. Watchmen. We need to cry out to God for our city. We need to cry out to God for men. We need, we need to get serious about interceding and holding back God's hand if it be possible to say lord give us just a little more time to do the work we got to cry out number two is we must secondly get ourselves into the fullness of the light that's what god's calling me to i figure why 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 would i not let you come as well i want to be in the light do you want to be in the light i i hope you do because if we walk in the light as he is in the light his blood will cleanse us cleanse us it didn't say it would suppress us it didn't say it would ignore what was going on. It said it would cleanse us if we walked in the light. We must get ourselves into the fullness of the light. One of the things that blesses my heart, and I've seen this for years, whenever I've gone to Bethany, especially at the youth meetings, and Trace will remember this, that Joel will be preaching on one of those early nights, and I mean, he'll get with it. And then as he begins to preach and the people begin to come forward, you'll watch, you'll watch young people begin to toss their iPods on the stage. You'll watch them. I saw some of them toss their laptops. I'm, we're talking $1,000 laptops on the stage. And at first I thought, oh my Lord, what are they going to say to their parents when they say they got rid of their $1,000 laptop? 
Well, if their parents were spiritual, they'd get a hold of it because what they said is, that $1,000 isn't worth uh, my freedom. Drugs and cigarettes and all of this just starts getting thrown up there on the stage. I mean, unimaginable things start getting thrown up on the stage. And I thought to myself, incredible. I, I mean, I mean that, that's light, isn't it? Boy, you throw your laptop up there. I mean, we're here to say, you're serious. You're serious. Number three, and we must embrace the call to bring light to the nation. We got to bring light to the nations. I, this is this is in me, and I, I know as I do this, it just there there are pieces of me that so want to please people. There are pieces of me that so want to just have folks like me and slap me on the back and do everything I can to always keep a smile on your face. But it, there's this thing inside of me that I can't get rid of. It's this thing that 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 I've asked God to take it away from me, and He doesn't because He says it's His call. And I understand you could go to a thousand different places in our own city and in our own region and you'll walk in, they'll say something, you'll smile, it's truth, it's the Bible. I'm not saying it's not the Bible. But I've got to see people set free. I've got to see darkness dispelled. I've got to see reality. I want reality. I'm not buying tickets to just a show. I'm not, I'm not giving my life to something that just puts a few in a seat and nobody's the same. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying let's just walk through life and everybody just keeps their dirt to themselves. And if we just don't say anything to each other, hallelujah, if we don't say anything to each other, then somehow or another it won't be there. That's not what I'm going to live. I want real freedom. I want real liberty. I want reality. Do you? Aren't you sick of the phony and the fake? Are you as sick as I am of watching people of my own profession stand up and say one thing and then go and do another? I am. I'm tired of seeing government officials playing footsie under bathroom stalls and having affairs with their pages and interns. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everybody winking at each other, knowing there's darkness, but not wanting to get free. I want liberty and freedom. I want to see God move like He's never moved before, and I'm going for it all. I'm going to see the dead raised, the sick healed, the Word coming, carting people out dead. Wow. Wow, really? Well, if it's in the book of Acts. See, I said to myself, Trace, I was going to come in here and not yell. I'm just going to share and not yell. The Bible says we're to cry out to God and seek Him, to cast your life upon Him. This is what solemn assembly is. It's the church. It's the church finally getting the heart of God so they can get the heart of the city. And today is one of those days, I believe, I, I believe this is a day, it's one of those days, I want it to be, I can't make it be that, but I want it to be one of those days that we'll put on the map and the calendar and the history books for our local church that says that was the day, that was the day the light broke through. That was the day. Next week we'll connect some dots. No, I guess Brother Rod will be here, so maybe, you know, and he'll make you laugh and you'll enjoy Brother Rod. And then the next week, maybe we'll connect the dots after that. I don't know. But today is the day that God says, let the light come. You will stand clean in the day of revelation. 
Joel said, sound the alarm, blow the trumpet. That's all I can do is blow the trumpet. I'm not going to have another sleepless night. But I believe right now there's something special God would like to do with us. Stand with me, will you? Anybody need to bring something to the light? Why don't we just take a moment? The altars are open. Any darkness? Why don't you get that darkness? Why don't you choose to obey and get it under the light before you go today? I just want to give you a minute. Anybody? Anybody? I want to, I want to get some stuff under the light. I want to get some stuff under the light. I want some stuff under the light. Come on, God's not mad at you. Listen to me. He's not mad at you. He is not mad. He's broken hearted. He's just broken hearted. Just as you have wept, just as you have wept for your freedom and just as you have wept because you felt your guilt and, and all the things that are associated with the darkness, God, God just weeps too. He weeps. Feel his heartbeat right now. Feel his heartbeat right now. He loves you. He, he so wants the best for you. Any darkness, any darkness, dark, any darkness, praise God if, if you'd say, so far as I know, Pastor, everything's under the light. I, I rejoice with you. But we've been called to be a light. You can't be a light. You can't be a lighthouse unless, unless you're willing to have darkness dispelled. Come on, cry out. Cry out to God right now. Don't wait for me to lead you in your prayer. You need to right now out of your heart, let, let, let that word encounter you right now. Let that word bring experience to you. Let it be fire in your bones. Let it be a sweetness in your mouth. And cry out. Come on, we need voices to cry out for a moment. Come on, let's just break. I break tradition in the name of Jesus. And, and I break the repetition in the name of Jesus. Let's cry out unto God and say, Oh God, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. Be like Isaiah of old, who when he was encountered by the presence of God, he said, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am a man undone. I am a man undone. A man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. The word says that an angel came to the altars and took off a coal. And it touched his lips. 
And the scripture says his sin was purged. It was cleansed. It was rooted out. Purge me, oh God. Purge me, oh God. Purge me, oh God. Come on, stay in the light until you can sense the light just burning. It's burning that crud up. The darkness is being dispelled. It's burning it out of you. Come on, we're just going to wait just a moment. I'm not in a rush for this part. This is not... Like I said, the number of times I can count that, that I have, I've shared things of this nature and we're going to spend a moment or two. I don't, I don't care about beating somebody to the lunch line. Do your work in us, oh God. Do it in us. Hallelujah. Do your work in us. Do your work in us. Purge in us. Lord, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to have a little dabble, do you? I was listening to Leonard Ravenhill on YouTube, and he's just an old English uh, a revivalist. And he looked and he said, how long does it take for a woman to birth something? She just doesn't show up, and all of a sudden, out comes the child. But she labors and she travails until finally the joy is birthed from her. And we've not learned to labor and we've not learned to travail much. We just want the microwave version. Lay hands on me. Blow on me. Spit on me. Just do it quick and let it be over with. No, 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 no. You've got to say, I am going to stay in the light until this thing is rooted out of me, this darkness. Hallelujah. 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 Do it in me, Lord. Do it in me. I'm just letting you soak for a minute. We're letting you soak for a minute. Holy Spirit, soak into these people. Soak into these whom you love. Lord, that you aren't, you aren't angry at them. You, are, you love them. You've beckoned them. You've called them to this moment. And you love them with a love that's incomprehensible. Lord, let them soak in that now. Not to excuse them, but to deliver them. Not to suppress it, but to release them. Lord, let it be, let it be, let it be. Let it be. I want you right now, you, you can say it any way you want, but you need to say right now, as unto the Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I break darkness in my life. I break that darkness right now. I break its encroaching hold over me in the name of Jesus. I renounce it. I don't want it. I don't like it anymore. I hate it. 
I hate it. You know, Jesus said in John 3.20, He said that, that men who love the darkness run from the light. There are those that will love the darkness. You need to say, I hate, I hate this area of darkness in me. I hate it. I don't want it anymore. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Lord, let it, let it repulse me. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let, let a desire to, to walk in the light as you are in the light. The light's coming, folks. The light's coming. I prophesy to you right now, we're going to see light expose people on the front pages of the Post and Courier. I don't want it to happen. God doesn't want it to happen. But if we don't embrace the light, He will send it anyway. He's going to touch people around you with the light. It is the hour of the light. It is coming. It is coming. It is coming. It is coming. He's readying His people. He's readying His church. A bride without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's going to be on the Fox News Network. Some folks of, of, of high and notable stature. Some we never expected. God doesn't want it to happen. He's, it's not like He's eager for anyone to be exposed. He just says, there's a moment that my long suffering ends. And the light comes. And mercy must turn to justice. Oh, oh God, have mercy on us. Have mercy on your people, Lord. Lord, let us not push your hand to the moment of justice, but let us eagerly in the day of mercy run to you and embrace the light. Oh, Lord, let it be. Let it be so. Let it be so. Let Him cleanse you. You need to say, I choose to put myself under the, the light of truth, the light of freedom. The light of liberty in the name of Jesus. Freedom. Come on, let's pray. Lord, right now, all of us together, let's just have a big chorus, a concert. They used to call it of intercession in the house. Everybody standing, kneeling, whatever you're doing at the moment. Everybody begin to cry out to God and say, Lord, as a body, as a body of people, Lord, let us be, let us be a church that's in the light. Lord, as a body of people, let us be a people who desire, Lord, your light. Lord, if you've called us to be a light in the city, then Lord, let it shine on us first before it shines out of us. Lord, let it be so. Let us not fear it. We break fear in the name of Jesus. No fear. God isn't beating us up. He's setting us free. He's not condemning us. No, 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 no. He's liberating us. Though your sins be as scarlet, He says, I will wash them and they will become as white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far have I thrown your sins away. I will remember them no more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I, I, I know you probably didn't bring, maybe if you have darkness, you may not have brought it with you, but you need to, you need to go home and you need to take care. If there's something that's, that's bringing darkness into your life, 
you need to knock it out. Cut it out. Get rid of it. Whatever you got to do. Whatever you've got to do. Come on now. There's some, there's some iPods that need to be cleansed in the name of Jesus. Computers that need to have filters thrown on them in the name of Jesus. Come on, I'm talking to you now. Television sets that got some channels blocked on them finally in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's some things that you're going to have to go home, open up your refrigerator and pour out in the name of Jesus. Come on, if it's darkness, if it's darkness, you need to get rid of it. I'm not telling you what to do. You, I can't change you. But if God's talking to you, don't, don't play on the edge of the spotlight. Walk in the middle of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.